Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 186 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So pleased that you're here with me today on a really exciting podcast day. Today, I am talking to Inez Johnson, and she is phenomenal. She reached out to me um, because she joined my Patreon at the mini coaching level and had this really big question for me. And I wrote back to her and I'm like, please come on my podcast. Let's talk about this. It's a major question. So Inez has hit total success, six figures just from books. Um, And still there's something else she wants. So we talk about that on this show. And I think you'll really enjoy it and her and she's just lovely and charming and hilarious. So um, stay tuned for that. Little update about what's going on around here. I am waiting for the editing letter from my editor on this big draft revision that I did for her. Um, It'll probably still be a medium-sized revision, I'm hoping, with a lot of line editing. Hopefully, I don't have to rip the whole book up again, Um, but I'll probably know by the next time I talk to you, so cross your fingers for me, although you know I love revision. Um, Speaking of revision, I had a silly thing happen to me (laughs) earlier this week. So, In 2017, three years ago, I was feeling very, very broken, very, very empty. Um, I had just like run out. The creative well had run out. It had been spent. Uh, I attributed this to overwork. And I embarked upon this 12-month challenge that I um, used Patreon for. I wrote an essay a month. The collection is called Replenish. And every month I challenged myself to do something different. Um... One month, I spent an hour outside every day. One month, I put my body in water every day. One month, I meditated every day. Um, One month, I let go of every other kind of distraction and only read. No TV, no social media, no nothing. Just reading. So those were the things I was playing with. Um, And the year of replenish truly did replenish me. It fixed me. However, it fixed me because I, well, I don't even know if it fixed me, really. During that month, I mean, sorry, during that year, while I was looking for the solution, three months in, I realized that I had become an alcoholic. And that is what fixed me. Finding sobriety fixed me. Um, but at the meantime, I'm still doing this challenge. I'm still committed to doing it for the Patreon readers. And I also believe in it, doing things that are good for us, good for our souls. What, what can that do for our creativity? So I've had this collection of 12 essays roughly 65,000 words, uh, sitting around staring at me. I really, really, really want it to be a book. However, every single essay felt like a lie. None of it was a lie, not one bit, but it was omitting the deepest truth, the the deepest, darkest truth, because I didn't want to write very much at all about sobriety during that uh, first year. I just, I couldn't handle it. I didn't want to handle it. It was a really private thing. And even though I'm a memoir writer, and even though I display everything almost, um, there are some things that I keep very close to my chest for a while. And then I usually get around to sharing it. Uh, But I was just beating my head against this brick wall of these essays. and, And like, should I put, you know, should I write, you know, revise them and then put in some notes around them. And then I just realized sitting here at the desk, this is going to sound so obvious, but I realized that revision is my superpower. And I could revise each one in total. (laughs) And it was like realizing that you can breathe air. You've been holding your breath for a while and then you can breathe air. I realized, oh, revision will save me. I can make this into a book that is supported by the journey to and through sobriety. Um, As I was sitting there looking at the different months and what was happening in each month that I didn't write about, it actually has traditional story structure already. It has the inciting incident, the context shifting midpoint, the dark moment. It's all there. I just need to bring it out and develop each. And this is a book, people. It wasn't a book before. It was a collection of disparate essays, each of which was a little bit too smug. I err a lot of times when I'm writing essays in the smug wrap-up. I don't do it on purpose, but I like the essay to feel 
complete and to feel whole. And in this book, nothing felt whole that that year. Um, And everything was incomplete as I was making these connections. So I'm super excited to be working on these revisions. And it's just delicious to dive into them. Uh, Another thing that happened that was funny was that I was sitting around like, okay, now I got to revise this whole book. and I don't even know where to start. And another five minutes later, I was like, oh, Rachel, you know exactly where to start. This is what you teach. You have an you have an entire system on how to revise. And I did everything that I tell my students to. I didn't print out my book because I prefer to read it on my Kindle, but I sent it to my Kindle. I started making a sentence outline. I got out my post-its. I'm making my map so that when I start the revision, when my fingers are actually inside the manuscript, moving things around, I have a map to refer to. So again, it was this great sense of relief. But also I wanted to share it with you because we all forget everything that we know. Every book feels different and every book we come to it feeling like a beginner, even though we aren't. Um, Each book, I believe, teaches us how to write this book. (laughs) Unfortunately, no book teaches us how to write the next one. But we have this toolbox. We're always adding to the toolbox. My toolbox has a lot of tools and I just had to remember to go looking for the right tool instead of reinventing the wheel, which is basically um, like a sport to me. I'm an Olympian athlete at reinventing the wheel and I'm trying to trying to stop doing that. Um, everything else I'm struggling with sleep and headaches right now. I'm doing this, um, sleep restriction, CBT insomnia, uh, therapy, and, um, it's gone off the rails and I need to, I need to restrict my sleep, get a little bit less sleep in order to learn how to get more sleep. So, and that's been triggering headaches. Um, so that's not fun, but Hey, self-care being forgiving, understanding that, We have really productive times. And right now, while I'm waiting for edits, I can be a little bit less productive. That is totally fine. Uh, I would like to thank um, new patrons. And honestly, you guys, I have this amazing system. Um, I star them in Gmail when you all up a pledge or start pledging on Patreon. And then I forget to take the stars off. So I think some of these people I may have thanked already. And it doesn't matter because if you are a patron now, if you've been a patron for years, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to you. And also, thank you, perhaps again, to these people, perhaps not. Um, Sandra Mori, thank you. Inez Johnson, new patron, uh, thank you. Thank you for this episode. Uh, Jen Terrell, it was great to talk to you this week, Jen. Thank you. TB Markinson, thank you. Mark O'Neill, thanks so much. Leah edited her pledge up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Leah. Um, One thing that I never do on this show is talk about when people edit their pledges down holy cow, whenever I see a pledge has been edited down, you know what I think? I think that person is prioritizing their family and their finances in the way that makes sense to them. It never hurts my feelings. If you'd like to give me $10 a month and then go down to $1 a month because you have to, I will send you all the love. If you have to cancel entirely, yes, still get all my love for those times when you were supporting me. And, um, This means the world to me. So thank you and never feel like you're doing anything wrong if you have to step down. Uh, But Leah, thank you for stepping up your pledge. That's amazing. Um, Lani Gobaletza. See, that's a name I remember saying before and and crucifying before. Lani Gobaletza, thank you. Thank you very, very much. And Kathleen Fordyce, thank you. Maddie Dalrymple, who runs the Indie Author Podcast, um, which I am on pretty shortly coming up. If I'm not already on there, um, Maddie is awesome. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, Kieran Fatima, thank you. And Jody Terry, you darling, thank you. Thank you to everyone who has been a past, present, or potentially a future patron. It really, really does mean the world to me. So now, business is done. I want you to go jump over to uh, the next segment. I don't even know why I said jump over. All you got to do is like remain in your car or keep the podcast running and listen to what Inez has to say is truly, truly inspiring. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. And I wish you very, very happy writing. Hey, is resistance keeping you from writing? Are you looking for an actual writing community in which you can make goals and be held accountable for them? 
Join Rachel Says Write, a twice-weekly, two-hour writing session on Zoom. You can bop in and out of the writing room as your schedule needs, but for just $39 a month, you can write up to four hours a week with our wonderful little community, in which you'll actually get to know your writing peers. We write from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Thursdays, and that's U.S. Pacific Standard Time. Go to rachelheron.com slash write to find out more. Well, I could not be more pleased than nor could my cat Waylon be more pleased to welcome Inez Johnson to the show. Hello, Inez. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, let me give you a little introduction and I am so excited to have you here. This is going to be fabulous. Lover of fairy tales for folklore and mythology, Inez Johnson spends her days reimagining the stories of old in a modern world. She writes books where damsels cause the distress princesses wield swords and moms save the world. Hell yeah. Aside from being a full-time author and professional reader, Inez Johnson is a seasoned educator. She's taught college level courses and workshops in screenwriting, story development and plotting and media history. A lifelong learner, read academic addict. She holds a bachelor's in communications, a master's in instructional design and a doctorate in educational technology. That's amazing. Uh, she is banned from getting the, cre- the MFA in creative writing she so desperately wants until both her children are in college. That might be soon as she is the proud mother of a college sophomore and a rising high school senior. Inez, Inez lives just outside Washington, D.C. and can be found getting her words early in the morning at the coffee shops. In the afternoon, she can be found on the park bench contemplating what she will do with her life once her kids have grown up. <laughs> what are you doing nowadays? I have so many questions to go with today, but what are you doing nowadays that you can't go to the coffee shop? Because that's where I used to write to. hard. It's really hard because I get up and my body is still primed to get up at six in the morning. So I, and, and, I, and I'm in, I'm just over the bridge from DC in Northern Virginia. And so the sun is shining at like 5.58 in the morning. And so I'm up like bright eyed and I'm like, I can't go to the coffee shop because that's my wake up. I get yeah. in, I gather my stuff, I get in the car, I go to the coffee shop. And as I have my, my cup of tea and sometimes my oatmeal, I'm waking up, I'm ready to write. That's not happening. So how did you change things for yourself? It's, it's been hard. I learned recently, I took the Becca Symes classes as every writer eventually. Oh, so great. Yes. <laughs> and I learned that I'm high discipline, which I was shocked. I thought that I was going to be a woo person. I was like, why didn't I get woo? I, I thought I was going to be all woo. And woo was like five from the bottom for me. I was so offended that I didn't get woo. <laughs> My number one was high discipline, though, and I and, and I had some some um one on one time with Becca, and I said, well, I don't understand what my why I keep trying to change my routines because I totally see that I'm high, I'm high discipline because you you see the Kanban board behind me. What you can't see off to the side is three calendars and post-it notes and one two three planners. You can't see all of that, but it's there. But I'm constantly looking for ways to change my process. And I was like, well, why do I do that? And she said, oh, I I got your number. She let me know that because I'm high discipline, if one thing goes wrong in my day, I need to reorganize everything else. So (laughs) That is so true. I also have high discipline. I think it's like my fourth or something. Yeah. And she said the same thing to me. That was good for me to know because now I I see that about myself. And now, now I'm able to stop and say, okay, one thing went wrong, but that's okay. You're, you can still get every, because I love checking things off the list. You can still check everything off the list, even if it's not at the right time that you put it there all nice and color-coded and highlighted. You can still check it off. I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, though, because I've completely forgotten that she said that to me. And that's me. Like, if, the, if something doesn't get done in the right order, I'm like, well, I can't write today. Oh, well. false. Yeah, totally false. <sighs> okay. Loving your stickies behind you. Loving, loving, loving. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of the questions that I normally do, but we also have a bigger place to talk about, a bigger thing to talk about today. So let us get it right out there that you are full-time writer. You are successful. You have two or three pen names. That's what I thought. So you have the paranormal Mm-hmm. Urban fantasy, you have the sweet western, mm-hmm. and what's the third one? Steamy, 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 steamy stuff. 
you really like cover all of the bases in terms of heat levels but, and everything. But Rachel, I didn't know that that was the wrong thing to do. They were all together <laughs> to begin with. Oh yeah, you will piss people off with that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. lesson learned. <laughs> I even did. So I had these really steamy books. I mean, they're just they're just contemporary romance, but they're on the hot, hot level. And I was really getting tired of writing that level of heat. And I actually pulled mm. my readers to see who would mind. And it was like, who wants me to stay this steamy? And who doesn't mind if I back off a bit? And it was like 97% of the readers said, stay steamy. I could not even back off. Like, because that's what they want. They want that's a certain level of That's not what I was expecting you to say. Wow. I wasn't either. I thought they were like, no, Rachel, we love your books. Just do whatever you want. No, they're like, we want the hot sex. That's... <laughs> And you can't let them down after that. No. How, how do you juggle doing the writing for three different pen names? How Whoever is paying the bills gets the first attention. <laughs> That's the honest truth. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't, you probably don't want to share all your pen names unless you do, and then that's fine. I don't mind. Oh, okay, great. Will you tell us who's paying the bills right now? Which Shanae. Shanae is my middle name. Shanae is Shanae Johnson, the, the sweet Western romances, she pays the bills. Which is so surprising to me. Mm -hmm. I would have thought I, I would have thought it would have been the the erotic stuff, the, the nope. hotter stuff. Nope. The the hotter Western. stuff, which is my initials N S Johnson. You see uh -huh. there's Shanae, there's an S, and then there's N S Johnson. So complicated, oh, I right? I like that. Yeah. Well she um N S I told someone recently that she basically pays for my family to have a nice Japanese steakhouse dinner once a month. That's that's all she handles. Yeah. So she is meantime, last on the list. Shanae is just killing it. Killing it. Killing it. Sweet Westerns. Yeah. I had no idea. Also, your covers are great. Thank you. Do you hire those out or do you do them yourself? Not for the sweet stuff. I, <laughs> you saw how the degrees I have. I have a lot of skills. <laughs> I learned Photoshop like 2.0 when I was in school. So I know enough to be dangerous where I can make a more contemporary cover that doesn't need a lot of uh, photo manipulation. But no, my, um, my NS, the paranormal and the urban fantasy, no, I need help with those. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I love that you know that about yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at your work day, how does that work day break down? That's really, that's a really good question. Because what, again, what I learned from, from being high discipline is that I don't, I can't schedule times. I can schedule in blocks and a block of checkoff to check off a list. So I, I still get up really early, but now with COVID and mm -hmm. isolation, I just kind of lay in bed. I, I, I might turn on an audio book or I might turn on a podcast. Wednesday mornings, I always have breakfast with you <laughs> and Chase Horn. Listen to your podcast, The Writer's Well. Um, and I'll just either lay around in bed or I'll get up and make myself a cup of tea and just not do any writing yet. Just kind of, because I, I, I guess I needed that travel time and that's mm -hmm. kind of my travel time. So I get up and around seven, maybe eight o'clock in the morning, then I'm like, okay, I'm ready. So I typically will do about two Shanae chapters around breakfast time, take a break. How long is a chapter for you? And it depends on if I'm first drafting or if I'm revising. If I'm fast drafting, um, I'll do, I can do a, a, a complete first draft of a chapter in a sprint. And my sprints are about 20-ish, 25 minutes long. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah chapters are... are, are I'm using air quotes, simple for me, because I plot out the beginning, middle, and end, and at the end, I make sure that there's some kind of a twist, and I, and I can hold that in my head, and I can get it all out from beginning, middle, end. It's like telling a story. So I can do that in about 20-ish minutes. Then, when I'm revising, though, I, I, don't, I take my time. It might mm. take me another 20 minutes, or it might take me 60 minutes to revise because I take, I quote unquote, take my 60 minute time when I'm revising. So you are a real planner then, is that right? See, here's the funny, the short answer is yes. The long answer is I have so many plots in my head because I've, I had to learn this. And when you're in, when I went to school for, for media production, the, the main goal, the first thing that they tell you in class is you will not watch television and films the, sa the same way that a normal person does if we are successful in, in teaching you your craft. And I, and I don't. So there's so many plotting systems, so much craft stuff in my head that I don't always have to write down the plot. But best believe I am a plotter through and through. <laughs> 
So when you're talking about writing that scene that you've already broken into three, mm-hmm. when do you do that breaking into three of the scene? Is it like the morning you sit down and you go, okay, it's, it's going to happen here. So I'm going to sketch that out. Or is that another time that you've done that to go on your outline? So it depends on how clearly I see the story. Sometimes I just, and I, and I, I, cause, because I come from television, I'm usually not thinking just one story at a time. I'm usually thinking in a season of stories. So I know a little bit about each of the characters in their, in their story arc. And I know how to kind of like plant little seeds here and there, but I might not see character two or character book in the book four very well, but I know what they're supposed to do. So usually in book one, it's, it's an outline. It's a treatment that I have written. Cause but you're by, really learning the world at that point. Exactly. Yeah. But I've, I've realized that every book two, I think I know what I'm doing every single time. I think I know what I'm doing. And everything, and I don't really plot that much. I'm like, I got this. <laughs> and I write, I write act one. And I'm usually good with my act ones. And then I get to act two and I'm like, okay, what are they supposed to be doing? Who is this character? What is their goal? And I have to, it happens every single time like clockwork. And every time I say it, it's going to be different, it never is. So in book ones, I, I plan. By book two, it's, it's like a one sentence outline that always changes <laughs> it always gets revised and then probably book three i've learned my lesson and i outline again and then probably book four i do the same thing again and i'm like what what's happening isn't it funny that we just keep coming back around to the same problems about how long are your series normally depends um i, I told myself that i don't like long series because again i come from <laughs> i come from cable television yeah. where you typically you typically plan the whole se- the whole season and um, you, you, you plan that maybe six to 12 episodes and then you, you have to kind of leave it open, but closed enough. So that's how my brain thinks. So I'm usually thinking in, in multiples of three, three, six or 12, something like that. And then what I learned, and it took me a while to learn this because I'm so used to the, 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 the closed series or a, just one of those short like summer series is that if, some, if a series is selling, do not, for the love of God, stop writing books in those series because people want them. Yeah. So you should keep writing in them. Did you that learn that a, the hard way? The very hard way. <laughs> not once. Made the mistake not once. Maybe three times I made that mistake. <laughs> I'm hard-headed. I love that you have so much diverse background in terms <laughs> of storytelling. Really, I'm like coming to it from... The television world is fantastic because like you're talking about seeing a season in your head. I can barely see the two or three characters that I'm dealing with, like let alone subplots. As soon as I throw a subplot, another couple of characters and I'm like, Oh no, I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So that is such a superpower that you you have. I like that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what is, let's see, can you share a craft tip with us of any sort? Oh, a craft tip. Um, uh, one of the things that, that um, people have been kind of listening to me about is, is this thing that we have in television where we have twists and open doors. So when, you, when you're in television, we call them scene and sequel or hooks and sequels. There's a whole bunch of terms. So in television, we have to compete with the commercial break. So you always think of you're coming to a commercial break every six or so minutes. So you, can, you have to make sure to leave the audience with such at the edge of their seats that they don't turn the channel or if they get up to go and grab a snack and they come back and sit down, even though who really watches scheduled television anymore? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was teaching a class once and I had a whole lesson planned on primetime TV and I was going to the lesson like 20 minutes and someone finally raised their hand like, um, what's primetime? No. I kid you not. I kid you not. Anyway, so <laughs> back to the craft lesson. Yes, this is the age I live in. So, I'm, I'm so used to thinking of what's the twist? What's the hook? How do I get them back at the end of the commercial break? Or how do I get them back at the end of the chapter to turn that page? But I not only take it to, okay, get into the end of the chapter, leave some type of a, um, a hook in there to turn the page. But I also think about that at the end of the book as well. I never end with the end. I always end the book with either the next character um, in the book, introducing their story problem, or whatever uh, the next series might be, I, I don't write the end, hardly ever, probably there's, ever. 
always something left. Always. Mm -hmm. What did you call that? The turning and the open what? Lots. Okay. So in, in film, a lot of times it's called the open door ending in television. We kind of call that, um, when it's coming out of a, when it's going into a commercial break, we call it the hook because literally you're trying to hook them back in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or some people, when, when it's at the, the when, it, when you're coming off the back of a commercial, it's called the sequel because you got to get them back. That's in. the scene and sequel. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's a phrase I've heard. Um, is this something that you do organically as you're writing your way through your books or is it something that comes in in revision? Because for, for me, to, <laughs> I, write, I write chapters so mm-hmm. that like you could close the book and never pick it up again. And then I always forget. And then so in revision, that's just one of the things. It's one of my mm-hmm. passes. I go through and look at, and usually it's as simple as, moving four paragraphs from that Mm -hmm. scene to the next chapter, Mm -hmm. you know, but is that something that you do naturally or is it something you do in revision? Something that I do naturally, but I don't, I'm not, I'm I'm far from perfect. (laughs) So when I'm going back through in revision and I see, wait, did you just let them go to sleep at the end of this chapter? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) I will change it to make sure that they, that you turn the page. It is such a, good thing to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to skip now to the comment that you left me on my Patreon. Cause this is, I was like, can you please be on my show? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So if you don't mind, may I read yeah, this? Go for it. Okay. Uh, you say you don't know it, but I've been one of your biggest fans for years ever since I heard you on the rocking self-publishing True. podcast, talking to Simon Whistler about how you got your writing done during your shifts uh, working dispatcher. That was so long ago. Yeah. Um, I have breakfast with you every Wednesday morning while I listen to the writers well, and I feel like it's a treat when How Do You Write pops up on my podcast feed because you know it's not. (laughs) I try for Fridays, but I don't always make it. (laughs) Okay, you go on to say, after 15 years in higher ed as a digital media instructor, I broke through as a successful romance author and have been making a full-time living for two years now. First of all, yay, 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 yay. Yay. Freaking yay. Um, last year, about four months in, I realized that I was not cut out for the dream, in quotes, of being a full-time author. Oh, I'm making six figures. The words continue to flow. Fans are amazing, but it hasn't been enough. I'm not as happy as I felt I should have been. Something was missing. During COVID isolation, I figured it out. I want to teach again. I want to teach writing and marketing and personal slash professional development to other seasoned and aspiring romance novelists. I'm just unsure about how to go about it. This is what I'd like coaching on. Do I need to get my MFA first? I'm pretty sure I want to be at a college or university again because you're addicted to learning Um, or or even at a writing center. Can I even get a position as someone who's never had a trad deal? So let's talk about this. Okay. Okay. First of all, have you, um, have you ever, I just realized my microphone's really far away from me. Sorry, people. Um, have you heard the way I feel about MFAs? I think I have. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I have, I have this theory about MFAs is that they're awesome to have. Mm-hmm. If you can just afford to buy them and not put it on credit, cause that'll kill okay. all of us. Okay. Um, and if it's and if it's something that you want for cachet, like I just wanted to have the letters, I just wanted a grad degree in writing, and that so that's why I got it. Um, but you are so far, you're like you've blown past most MFA anything you're going to learn. You learn in an MFA program how to write. You already know how to write. So this would really be about getting the letters after your name. Right. And you already have so many letters. I do have. Yeah. But, is, but do I, is, is that the calling card for someone to even look my way to become a writing teacher? Right. Your, I'm scrolling here. Your doctorate is in educational technology. Mm-hmm. So I have a few things to say. Number one, if you want an MFA because you want an MFA, then wait till the kids are growing like you said, <laughs> and then go get it. And no one can tell you not to. Um, But with as much publishing as you've done and with your doctorate, I think even though this is indie pubbed and not trad pubbed, I think that you could find a place um, within a college setting and you live in a great place for that. Um, There's a high volume of colleges and JCs and universities all around where you live. So mm-hmm. that is something that could be done. Um, let me ask you though, let me just ask you some questions. So okay. 
what attracts you to teaching this? I, I have a hard time having conversations with people that don't turn to writing. I can talk to you for about five minutes about nonsense. And then I am inevitably going to turn some way, shape or form to books, stories, words, something. So (laughs) I need people to talk to. (laughs) I want to, when I, when I was teaching media, one of the things that I always told my students is that I really believe that iron sharpens iron. And I was at the top of my game as, as a television person when I was teaching that craft. Yes. It kept me sharp. Yes. And that's not necessarily the world that I want to be in anymore. I, I wholeheartedly want to be in the writing world. So I want to talk that craft. I want to talk that talk. I want to teach. I want to learn from people. That answers your question. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's beautiful. And I already know that this is something you're going to love doing. So for me, teaching other people writing, my superpower is that cheerleading coaching personality. Mm-hmm. And I can already tell that you have that. But plus, all of the knowledge, especially with the story stuff, that is insane. Um, but what I am going to push back on just a little bit mm-hmm. is what would it look like to you if you started teaching from exactly where you are right now? Like with an email newsletter list um, or with a YouTube channel um, and kind of build up a following and some street cred for teaching writing and then maybe trying to parlay that into teaching at a university or a college. Um, And the reason I say this is that, oh, colleges can be so snooty. They can be so snooty. I got, um, I got a gig teaching at Berkeley in the, in the extension program um, because I was just like, you know, cheeky and pushed and knocked on doors and kept emailing and stuff. But I'd been doing that for at Stanford for years and years and years, Mm. um, trying to teach anything at Stanford just to get my, my foot in the door there because it paid so much better, obviously. Uh, and it wasn't until I got the gig at Berkeley, I literally wrote to Stanford and said, I'm now teaching at Berkeley. May Mm. I teach for you? And they were like, yes, now you can. That is exactly what happened because there's such a rivalry between Berkeley and Stanford. So, I mean, and that is just ridiculous that that would be the, the difference. So they can be snooty and to have already a body of work or a body of comments or a following can be a really good thing. Because when, when colleges do hire you, they also want you to bring your own students in and make them money is one, hmm. of, their, is one of their biggest hopes. Um, the other reason I... The other reason I kind of suggest doing this from your chair right now, starting it there, is that anything you do teach on your own is going to necessarily be more lucrative too, because you keep all the money. And um, I don't think I can get in trouble for saying how much I make teaching a semester. I, I think I make two, maybe it's like, 17 or $1,800 at Berkeley for a semester and it's 6,000 at Stanford. So it's literally three times. Stanford always pays three times what the Cal system pays. Mm. But then you have to like weigh your opportunity cost of driving and all of this time. Mm -hmm. Have you, so have you thought about starting in your chair right now as the expert that you already are? I started a YouTube channel just because I've, I haven't been teaching for two years and I just started recording myself. Oh, look, I'm making yeah. a face again. This is how you do it. <laughs> oh, what a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So marketing, I, I, I had started to do like write with me's with fans where I was just, so oh, I'm right. I'm, I'm on a deadline. I need to write. So I'm going to write this chapter. And I started explaining like, here's the goal of this character. Here's the motivation. And now I'm going to make sure that to, I use this particular craft technique, which I didn't think fans were interested in. I wouldn't so have thought so too, but they love it. Well, I'm not so sure. I, I stopped doing it and I, I, I stopped doing it for fans and I st- started to do it specifically talking to writers because again, yeah. just like I just told you, after five minutes, I'm going to start talking to you about craft. I cannot help myself. 
So I stopped talking to fans about that and I started talking my writerly speak. And are you charging anything for that? Mm -mm. I do do some, I had started doing um, like, you know, how RWA does the email um, workshops. I've been doing that for, for a long time, just because I had all this, I write lesson plans as one of my degrees and I made yeah. all these lesson plans and I just, I email them out and I just, it's just something that I have. So I, 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 I have that. I did not think that that would translate into potentially going to someplace in higher ed. For me, it was really that I started the podcast before anything else. Mm. And after I started the podcast, I realized, oh, I should have an email newsletter for writers so I can like segment them. I have, mm. you know, here's my readers, but here's my writers. And the more I did with the podcast, the more I realized what I could be teaching and how mm -hmm. I could be sharing that. And that's why that particular newsletter became so important to me. Hmm. And, and honestly, Berkeley picked me up because for one of the reasons was because I teach, you know, I, I have this, how do you write podcast? And I had taught at little, at smaller conferences, mm -hmm. but I was able to drop all those things into a CV that looked worthwhile. They are not going to check your CV for an MFA. They will. My cat is just talking. I apologize. He's screaming with you. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. Um, they don't look at, they won't look for an MFA. They'll just look for a master's or higher. That's all oh. you, that's all you need to, to have to teach in a, um, a secondary, post-secondary level. Can I, can I ask about that? Yeah. So does it matter what the master's is in? No. Are mm -mm. you serious? Yep. Yep. Also, yours sounds so ready to go for anything. What was it again? Educational strategy? Educational tech, um, educational became, technology. Yeah, yeah. Technology. I just became interested in online learning and how, my, and the school, the, when I was at a media college, they paid for it. School was right across the street. And I was like, huh, told you I'm an addict. I'm an <laughs> academic addict. And they were like, oh, did you know we have this program? I was like, really? Like, hmm, I'm going to take some classes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Later. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And people were looking at me like I was crazy. They're like, are you going to be a principal? I was like, no. Like, what are you doing here? I'm like, learning. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. No, you could teach anything, anything. And I mean, if you're, if you're, doctorate was in marine biology, you know, emphasis whales, perhaps you wouldn't be teaching like, uh, and you know, they, they'd be like creative writing, really? But ed the word educational, they're not going to look anything past that. Oh. Have a freaking doctorate. That is amazing. Um, so that's what I would think of doing in this time right now, while you're mm -hmm. waiting for the kids to grow up and deciding if you want an MFA, you, you obviously have this passion that you have to share with other people about what you know mm -hmm. and how to use it. Also, I wanted to point out that in your note to me, you said, um, I want to teach writing and marketing and personal professional development to other seasoned and aspiring romance novelists. Mm -hmm. The whole thing about niching it to romance novelists, mm -hmm. two things. Number one, it makes it extremely awesome and useful and can be lucrative for you um, because romance writers want to know everything and they're such an incredibly smart and savvy group of people, right? Through that. And they know where to look for information and they know how to share information and your name will get around. But the, but the drawback to that is I have never been able to talk any place ever with an academic name to do anything with romance. That was another concern. Like and I, I only trying. speak romance. I, I don't speak thriller. I don't speak mystery. I speak romance. Yeah. Hmm. The, the nice thing about you speaking romance is that, that that's, that's what you speak. That's what mm -hmm. you are really fluent in, but you're, that also makes you fluent in all the other languages, honestly. Like I truly believe that contemporary romance is the hardest genre to write when you have two good people that you're trying to keep apart from each other for really good reasons. <laughs> Nobody understands how hard that is. Um, so you are an expert in all of those other things too, and you could teach to all of them, but your passion seems to be for romance and for romance writers. Yeah. So yeah. before attaching your, your star to the college that probably won't pay you very well to teach people that they don't care about, i.e. romance novelists, so, pointing yourself to a place where you can help them the best you can mm -hmm. and charge well for that because you have this knowledge, um, I think could be really exciting. And then you could also add teaching at a college if you wanted to. Hmm. Am I 
depressing you? Am I letting you Not down? Not at all. You're, 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 you're giving us disciplined people are giving, <laughs> I'm giving a game plan. I'm making, I'm, a checklist is forming in my head now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What do you, what do you like best in these ideas? <clears throat> um, or what do you roundly reject? That was one of my fear that because I speak romance and I'm, I, I speak it unabashedly, unashamedly, yep. As you like, I don't understand people who are like, <laughs> you, you write romance. I'm like, oh, you poor thing. They feel like that <laughs> about women in general. Right? It's, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty unabashed about that. And that's, I'm hearing that there will be either a conflict or there will be the door won't open. For that and that was that that's sad that's saddening to me it's really sad to me and i actually had um and this is even sadder i think but berkeley allowed me to put on a one-day course mm-hmm. that was like um how to write romance or something like that it was going to be a really broad overview because i've been pushing and pushing and pushing for it and we had to cancel it for lack of signups i think two no! people signed up in the bay area <gasps> Oh, that makes me so sad. It made me so sad. Mm. I could not get it done. And that was a few years ago. That was probably five years ago, four years ago. But um, but still, so hmm. I see you, you have this that you have to share. Mm-hmm. And the most important part of your your message to me was that just just being a full-time six-figure successful so... novelist. No, oh that's brilliant. No, I love it. That knowing that that is what you have and it's still not enough. That is, that's, I think that's why I wanted yeah. you on the show so much yeah. because that's what it's, I identify with. Yeah. It, 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 I'd said this to my, my, my writing, my weekly writing mastermind and I felt so awful. Well, those, those are my long-term friends, but I still felt so awful saying that. even typing it out to you. I felt so awful because this is the dream. Like, this is what people dream of. And I was like, I should be. It's like someone who married the wrong person. I was like, I should be happy. Why am I not happy? <laughs> and I wasn't. But you labeled it. You figured it out what it is that will make you happier. Mm-hmm. And I really, truly believe that I have this, this whole thing about, like, how service does make us happier people. You're serving somebody that needs help in this. And yeah. I'm also... Um, enough of a capital capitalist, although burn it all down, that I will accept people's money for helping for for me helping them because I know I'm yeah. good at it. And and when you combine something you really really love and you get paid for it too, mm-hmm. is there anything better? And then you'd have two of these things happening to you: the writing and the teaching. Okay. So I think what I'm going to do is start to double down on what I can do right now to, to fill this need. And, and I think, yes. as you said, the most immediate things were, were the YouTube, which I just enjoy doing. The YouTube, I enjoy doing the YouTube. I enjoy doing the, the RWA classes that are just online to, to writers. Maybe look at more writing centers and, and put that online degree, that online doctorate to use. Yes. Actually, that's something that I hadn't thought about is that you could teach at any of the online colleges. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some that are coming up with um, commercial MFA mm-hmm. programs. So any of the commercial MFA programs, um, the ones who major in commercial fiction and genre fiction, they're going to be looking for romance people like you. Okay. Um, like the one that springs to mind is Seton Hill, but there's mm-hmm. another one. I want to say North Carolina. Um, has a genre focus, which again, you don't need the MFA to teach there. You would just teach there. And because you have the online strength, you could do that. What was I going to say? Oh, if you're doing the YouTube channel, how do you, how do you feel about doing a podcast? Would you do a podcast? I'm not sure because I, I'm honestly not sure. I'm a very visual person television. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that just my voice can tell the story. Like I like the reason that I like doing the YouTube because I'm like, oh, look here, I'm going to show you like I'm writing this thing. Look, I'm going to show you how mm-hmm. I set it up. And that's very interesting to me. But just a podcast with just my voice. And that seems hard. 
<laughs> hard. And I do listen to you and Jay and all the millions of podcasts that you guys start talking about how much work it is. Oh, and- it's not much work. Especially if you're already, if you're already doing, the reason I say it is if you're already doing a YouTube, you just export the audio from it and upload it. I'm going to put that on my think about list. Think yes, about it. I have a think exactly. about list. <laughs> Love that you have a think about list. <laughs> um, and that might be something that you would actually hire out, you know, hire somebody, hire somebody else to upload it every week. Once the YouTube is up there, they know to go in and get it and upload it as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just because podcasts still, even in the days of COVID still have, so, I get such a higher, like almost all of my listens come on podcatchers and not on the YouTube, even though I put it up on YouTube every week. That, that could be saying something about me as a, I as a media person. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. Now I'm going to look that up because you're in my, you're in my phone. It's not very good. And it's just like this. You could just look in the back of me and see my cluttered (laughs) office. It's not great. (laughs) Yeah. So that, but that I do just because it's, it's almost easy, just as easy to do it as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just hitting both because I, because you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What has this conversation um, gelled for you? None of, well, I'll tell you this, you, you are in agreement with my, my mastermind, my writing mastermind. They, when I said this, they had the same reaction that you did about MFAs. Like, ooh. <laughs> they had the same concerns about knowing that I am an academic addict and I like being on a college campus. And they, they, they all said the same thing. It's not the, not the podcast, but they all said, well, why don't you, you're already doing all these RWA classes. Just keep that up. You have, um, you're interested, you start a YouTube channel. So they said that, but I, I, I guess I just, I like the idea. And that was the other part. This is, they did get this out of me too. We, we realized that I'm, I, I want it for the social aspect too. Cause I'm in this room so much time, especially during COVID. And even when I go out to the coffee shops, I'm in a booth by myself, ear, earphones in, and I'm typing yeah, for yeah, a couple yeah. of hours. Mm-hmm. And when I was teaching, even though I started to get more and more miserable because I, I didn't want to really talk about media anymore, I wanted to talk specifically about writing, it was still that interaction. I still got to see somebody's, one of my students' eyes light up when I explained something to them and they got it. And I was missing that too. So I, I, I am still missing that. I, I, don't, I don't know where to, where to take that sentence, but I, that is something that I do recognize that I am still missing that, missing that social aspect. What do you, what do you prefer talking to a group of people or talking to somebody one-on-one group? Okay. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. also really, really enjoy the group I've done. I've done a lot of coaching, um, but there's nothing like leading a group Mm -hmm. through them helping each other. Yes. Like watching the class gel and hold Mm -hmm. each other up. So, okay. So I think it's just time to start making some lists of what to do, get that writer's email list going, Mm -hmm. offer them something free to sign up. Do you already have a place for writers on your website? I didn't know. No, I I just have have a place for people who want me to teach online. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, again, the email courses, I have a place for them, but not for, for, Hey, sign up for this. Yeah. You need a tab for writers, offer a couple free things, um, immediately. Like, and it could be like a PDF of something or, um, here's a YouTube that you can't find anywhere else. It's, you know, private or whatever. And, uh, and you get this for joining my list. Um, yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a, I have a page of, 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 of a list. <laughs> I'm just so happy and proud of you for knowing this about yourself, that for knowing that this is important and that you need that connection. Mm-hmm. For me, it is, um, and this is why I wanted to talk about it because I'm so grateful for it. It's like, I love writing. It's my whole heart, but I also hate it more than anything else too. Like, right. Like it's, but working with students is mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with yeah. it. There's, it's just perfection. It is 1% less than the way I love writing. Mm-hmm. And some days it threatens to take it over and I won't let it, you know, I'm like, no, 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 it's gotta be the writing. It's gotta be the writing first, but they're so close. And it does. It just feeds your heart. Yeah. It makes me feel like you don't really hear from the fans. You, you see the downloads, you might see the dollar signs, right? But a fan is wants to talk to you about 
the character. They don't want to talk to you about the crap. Their eyes aren't going to light up because they learned a technique from you. Yeah. And that is one thing I've always said about writers is Mm -hmm. that no matter what, if we're having a conversation about anything else, the back of our mind is thinking about writing and the mm-hmm. back of our mind is waiting to see if we can turn it towards writing, which is what I, when you go to conferences, right? You love going to a conference because mm-hmm. all you do from morning till night is you talk yes. about writing and it never gets, yes. it never gets old. Never. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's the best. Yes. You need to be, you need to be doing this. This oh, is <laughs> okay. Okay. I've got homework. How can I help you in the future? You know, as I start to think about approaching conferences, approaching uh, online schools or or, or on-campus schools, I would love, because I know you do, um, you help with getting agents. I wonder if you would help with me writing that cover letter. Absolutely. I would love to. I would love to. The cover letter for your CV. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> just your academic like learning is a full cv right there yeah. 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 Inez, this is so cool i am so excited for you i wish that i had had somebody to talk to when i just first started to think about these things you know there's so much noise in my neighborhood today i'm sorry there's dogs and beeps and okay. car horns it's okay it's okay <sighs> okay well i am so pleased to know you and so well, I've known you for years, so. <laughs> but now I know you, you. Yes. And, um, and I want you to come back on too after um, things are going. And, and, uh, and if you set up a place, when you set up a place for your email mm-hmm. newsletter to be collected, let me know the address and I'll put it on the show notes for this. And so, because okay. everybody needs to be following you. Because you're killing it. You're killing it. Thank you. I try. I try. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for all, for all my homework. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Mm-hmm.